Welcome to the House of Strauss. Yeah, go for it. Stars hang with stars, winners hang with winners. Welcome to the House of Strauss. We are joined by John Middlecoff, our third podcast this week. But I, I, I just needed, I needed to book him. I didn't want it to die on the vine. I felt like certain issues were still pertinent in my mind in the golf world. And John, it feels like golf is almost slipping away. The major season is over, and we are in between golf fading away and football coming into the picture. I just needed to talk with you. How you doing? Yeah, golf's over. I mean, the last major, no one cares about. I I mean, I'm gambling on the tournament this weekend, but no one actually cares. Uh, The Ryder Cup is during football. It's football season's off and running. You know, Aaron Rodgers, just contract contract extensions flying around. Niners practicing. Cowboys, Knoxnard. Golf, adios, football, let's roll. Hmm. Well, I want to get into all of it. There was one golf question, though, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to book you now before this completely fades from the consciousness. Um, Steph Curry won the ACC. No, that's not the uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, it is a golf tournament involving celebrities, and I can't even remember what the acronym stands for. You know that, though, and y- you can tell us when I finish my preamble. And he had a hole in one that went quite viral and it stoked this conversation that sometimes happens with Steph really doesn't happen with the other athletes, but it happens with Steph, which is, Hmm, could he be a professional golfer? Could he be as good at golf as he is at basketball? And I know that not to be true as an assessment, but I wanted some specificity. You, John, I don't even know if I've set the table correctly, have a podcast on football and on golf. I just want to hear your spiel on that before we get into everything else. Myth bus. Well, I think th- th- there are a lot of angles here. I, American Century. AC, now nah, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. It, it, yeah. It, this has been a longstanding conversation with golf, who I think most athletes, whether you play football, basketball, any retired athlete, all go, it's really hard. Right. And they run in circles where they play with the pros, right? From Tiger to Phil to just random pros. Like they know what it looks like. But there have been guys over the years. I'll give you a couple examples Tony Romo. And even before him, John Smoltz and Jerry Rice once tried it as well. That try to play in the equivalent of the minor leagues, right? Like minor league baseball, like Michael Jordan did, or the G League basketball for golf, which has changed like a lot of like the G league has changed names a million times, right? Whoever they can get money from right now, it's currently called the corn Ferry. And I remember this would have been before Durant got here going to Milbray. I think there's a course called Stonebray that hosted an event and Steph played in it probably maybe after like his first MVP. And I, I, I've seen pro golfers play for a deck, multiple decades. Like I've seen guys that played in college guys that played in the pro. I kind of have a pretty good idea what it looks like. Definitely in a competitive standpoint, like it's way harder. A lot of good players can go out on a random course like Steph and shoot under par, right? A a score a golfer, you know, a pro golfer would have. There's another thing when you're playing in a competitive environment, even if no one's watching, right? Like me and you are gambling or 
I'm playing someone who's good and there's some pressure. And then there's the element of a legit tournament back to back to back days, right? Trying to make a cut. And when you're famous like Steph having countless people watch and you go, well, he's used to Mm. it because he's a basketball player. I'd say in golf, it's a little different because there's a lot of stagnant time, right? You're a lot of waiting around. It's not like a free flowing game like basketball where you're just kind of reacting. Yeah. Golf is a lot of like thinking, right? And he was awesome. Like it was really, he missed the cut. Mm. And Marcus Thompson at the time, the athletic had just started. That was an eye-opening experience. Like, God, Marcus and Steph are boys. I mean, it was, you know, so I was, I just kind of was in Marcus's hip pocket. He was close to Steph and Chris Heron. Remember, there was a 30 for 30 on him. Boston guy played at Fresno State. He was there walking with uh, whoever the guy that caddies for Dell. I think he's an Under Armour guy. He's been close to Steph forever. He was with Chris. And I just remember kind of palling around. And I just was impressed by Steph. And then whatever it was a couple months ago, he had the match right against Mahomes and Kelsey yeah, terrible. And, and clay clay was his teammate. who's not any good. And he was real, but just in a vacuum, Steph was terrible for his own standard. And yeah. I was talking to someone recently, a couple days ago, actually in the golfing business, who's in around PJ tour players. It's, I don't want to out him, but he's in a, he does deals with these guys. So he knows them well. He knows the agents. And he always had a theory that like when a younger player, a star young player, whether it be a Jordan Spieth or Ricky Fowler, initially gets married, it can be mm. like your golf game can dip a little bit. Because unlike if, you know, you're married or I'm married and we have a normal person job, like we go to work, right? And it's like, yeah. there's not, I'm, I got to go to work. Even if I'm a football player, we got practice, right? I got to go in. It's just, it's very black and white. Like there's no gray area around it. And yeah. golf it's the ultimate individual sport. Like I could practice. I don't have to, I go putt for a couple Mm. hours, you know, we're in football. It's all kind of, or basketball. It's a lot in the construct of the team. And I know there's a lot of individual work, but a lot of it's, you travel with the team, you do this, but in golf, NBA players have a lot of downtime for, for what it's worth. One the golf has even more. And then you have to choose when to practice on your own. In basketball, I guess you do too, but it's it's a little different. Football, definitely, it's very regimented, right? It's very okay. I'm going to interject with my. I'll interject with my theory because you're bringing something up I haven't thought about too much, which is that the physical limitations on your body in basketball allow you to have a personal life. It's not good for you at a certain point to be practicing constantly. So you're almost required to take some time off and spend that time with your family and your loved ones. Golf, by being less physically taxing, I think allows for more of that sense of, you should be doing this right now. You should be doing that right now. Or at least that would make sense to me. And so what I'm getting at with Steph is so about probably 10 years ago, give or take, he he was, I think he was married to Aisha, but they definitely didn't have a growing family. Right. And yeah. basketball is his job. And clearly he takes that as seriously as he ever has. I mean, you could argue he's as good now, you know, statistically it might not match up, but I'm watching him think he's as good now as he's ever been. But golf is it's weird, right? He's sponsored by Callaway and he makes money off it. And he uses that to for things, you know, whether to influence college athletics and help out the HBCUs like he's he's very, very intertwined in the golf world. But it still is closer to a hobby than it is like what creates Mm. Steph Curry, right? And I watched a guy in the match that goes, yeah, this guy's got three kids. He's got a lot going Mm. on. He's got a job. And 
I'm sure does not play remotely as much as he did when I watched him with Marcus Tom, and he still missed the cut, right? So it's he's worse yeah. now than he was back then. It's 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 very understandable, right? I, I'm in a very serious relationship. I don't even have a kid yet, and I do less and less of things that I don't just watch a random baseball game. Like I don't even get to finish the quarterback series because it's like. Am I going to turn on the seventh episode of the quarterback series when it's like I've been talking mm. about football and doing football stuff all day? Or do I have to kind of capitulate and just, hey, let's watch the chef show? It's just it's a natural evolution to anyone in a relationship. There's a give and take in golf when it's not when you're not a professional golfer. Right. He just doesn't get to play as much anymore. So he was never good enough. Right. To be a PGA player, even when now he's never practiced as much as those guys. But while he was an NBA player. But he plays, he'd probably be the first to tell you this, way less now than he used to before he had three kids, more growing obligations as a superstar for all these businesses and all these different things going on. It's just, he's a human being. Yeah, you have me thinking about this because it's a fun hypothetical because he's so coordinated of what he could do. But to what you're saying, part of what makes Steph, Steph, is how great of a team guy he is and what he derives off being part of a group and how he fits his game into it. Um, I don't want to completely stereotype golfers because I don't know them all that well, but I look at the two most famous ones uh, of my, of my lifetime and Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, both kind of assholes. You, you could say that they have their good parts too and they're complex human beings, but there is a disagreeability. There is a lonerness to both those guys. Um, and that might be more in keeping with how one becomes great at golf than what Steph Curry has done to become an awesome player and an awesome teammate. Well, it'd be like the versions of the craziest parts of The Last Dance and Michael Jordan. And there mm. are zero, he never has to ever worry about the teammates. Cause part of it, like he always yeah. needed other people. He needed help. If he could have just been himself, right? And, and never had to worry about a coach, a player. Cause like when Tiger was mad at Butch Harmon or Hank Haney as coaches, he fired them. Like he just did. He did. There was no going up the chain. Like he was the chain of command. He was also the owner, right? And any yeah. issue he had was his issue, was he, he controlled it. So it's, it's a unique sport that way. Now back to Steph, and I'm not trying to diminish. You know, the volume puts out little clips and a lot of clips, you know, do pretty well for football or whatever. The Steph Curry clip is by far the most viral clip we've ever put oh. out on something I've said. Wow. Because it is just, it makes sense, right? I mean, he's one of the biggest stars of my life. It's a kind of, it's just a, an easy topic that a lot of people probably have an opinion on. And that's a tournament, I think, not that it does like, it doesn't even do PGA numbers, but everyone kind of understands, that, you know, Football players, basketball players, coach. It's just a lot of famous people are involved from Barkley to Mahomes to John Elway to you name it. And it's been like that since I was a kid. You know, I, John Elway's been playing, Barkley have been playing that thing for 30 years, but it used to be Wayne Gretzky. Whoever is the prominent kind of athlete of their time who also really likes golf, Romo kind of was that pre Steph and his body's kind of breaking down on him. But like Steph, mm. I, it does feel like takes golf the most seriously of any of them that ever has. Like, it's not crazy yeah. to think that like if his career ended, he would be, and I don't think this anymore. Cause I think he's got so much going on and this gets back to the kids and just the foundations and the businesses he's involved in. It's probably more unrealistic 
And I, I, again, I think he would tell you this than if you would ask him at 25 years old, right? At 35, yeah. you just get different perspective. You have life changes on you. Uh, and I think he knows because he's played with all these guys, how impossible. I mean, he was chunking chips. Now he still won because he, he, he had two of the most, I mean, he hit the only hole in one in the history of the tournament, right? Which mm. is not, it sounds probably crazier than it actually is, but that is still pretty nuts. And then he ends yeah. with an Eagle on 18. I mean, it was just classic Steph Curry of just only he could uh, he, quite have a moment. Like he's like the tiger woods of just yeah. fun, you know, just <laughs> what <laughs> tiger, the tiger woods of fun. I love that. Yeah. He, he could seize the moment and to be clear, he's a very impressive golf player. I think I, I, I want to, one of the reasons I want to talk about it is that there is this thing that happens where, people when they don't know a sport can almost diminish what goes into being great at it. And you see this with Americans when they talk about or used to talk about more frequently are athletes who would be great at soccer. And this basketball player would be amazing at soccer. And that football player would be amazing at soccer. And it comes, I think from an ignorance of how much soccer is about other things and your foot coordination. And it's not just a matter of, Oh, you throw LeBron James out there and you give him soccer from, from his youth onward and he will be um, a brilliant soccer player. It's this funny thing that happens that people don't mean to offend or slight the sport, but just in not knowing what goes into it, they can assume that it's a bit easier and certain skills are a bit more translatable than they are. Sometimes, by the way, those skills are translatable. I do, I actually do think a lot of great basketball players could have been great tight ends, but you make more money playing basketball and you don't get hit. So sometimes it's so, uh, but I think more often it, it comes from just not knowing what goes into being great in these sports. There is a height element with basketball. You know, Draymond is a shorter NBA player and he would be one of the taller NFL players, right? It, yeah. six six or whatever so there is for example and i think he screwed around at the michigan state spring game remember when Izzo let him do it yeah. and it was fun but he's a he would be right on the fringe of these guys are basketball players are elite athletes all the good ones are yeah. but the, you know kevin garnett or whatever the, the strike zone it's weird it's, it's hard it's a debate and i always have fallen on what I would think many would consider like ignorant American. Cause my take would be if our, and I've been to Europe and the way that they love soccer probably trumps the way that we love all of our sports combined, right? It's just the, it's like the equivalent of basketball, obviously football, baseball, everything into one. It's just a way of life. If we had that here, right? So from the moment we were two, three soccer was it. I mean, there were some other iterations. You could maybe play golf or play a rugby, but for the most part, soccer was all our major sports lumped into one. I do think we would dominate, but that's a, but that's mm. never going to happen. So it's pointless. Like I, I do think we would have the ability to develop great players, right? But we don't yeah. take it. Like we take the other sports seriously and we do forever. We took yeah. you, basketball really, really seriously. And we dominated Baseball, we went to the uh, whatever, the World Baseball Classic. We're not even sending our best, none of our pitchers went, right? What we mm. take seriously, we consistently do well. But we have to, like, take it seriously at 24-7, 365 in soccer, at least probably in our lifetimes. That will never even come remotely close relative to the other, like what you see out of Brazil mm. or Spain or whatever. 
We also do it wrong. I mean, there's an element of, yes, I totally agree with you with our population, with our wealth, um, with our athletes, with our athletes, we would compete at that level if we, if we really loved it. But we also, we almost have this inertia of locking in how we do soccer in this country culturally in a way that doesn't get you better at it. And I was thinking about it even more so because my son is five years old and uh, he joined a soccer team and you watch them play soccer. Uh, that is actually... I, th- I thought you were going to say you already started him podcasting. <laughs> I already started him. Well, actually, he interrupted the last <laughs> podcast and seized the microphone when I was talking to Spike Eskin, um, which I think Mays... I don't know if Mays left it in or not. I, I respect all Mays' choices. He is a better judge of what to do than I am on these matters. But um, I had him play soccer, and it's the classic American kids playing soccer setup where you've got a dad, God bless him, as the coach, and they're just kind of they're just kind of running out there and they're running into each other and they're not progressing. They're not getting better in Europe. From what I gather, it's more drill the skills. Drill the skills, drill the skills, drill the skills. And eventually, sparingly, we will have you guys scrimmage and we will put it together. But you are refining and sharpening everything until that moment. In America, I think there's this idea that these kids are just going to improve from being out there when they're not they're not even at the level when they can really find improvement in that kind of setting. And so until that culture really changes and it it really overall becomes more drilling the skill until you find finally play. I think that's when American soccer might take it up another level, but also to what you're saying, a lot of it's just giving a shit. Well, think about this isn't basketball. Like when I was a kid in the early nineties, every legit NBA player had mainly, I mean, for the most part, gone to college at minimum a couple years, played high school basketball, played college basketball, got the fundamentals built in, and then Shaq, AI, you, you name it, right? And yeah. then came to the end. And now it's the opposite. Everyone just skips all that BS. And the Europeans start drilling skills, right? Like think about football. It is the ultimate drilling skills, drilling skills from high school to college. You got to stay three years. Yeah. Anyone that's been to a football practice, the, the, it starts in individual I don't care what position you play, individual drills and then group drills and then to the team drills. It's just whether you go to Kyle Shanahan's practice or whether you walk down the street to whenever your local high school starts practicing. That's the way every practice works. And I, I would imagine in soccer, like you said, they have such a better idea. I mean, you watch, I don't know if you ever watched the Amazon Prime a couple of years ago. I'm not the biggest soccer guy, but I watched Man City kind of did like a hard knocks version, you know, basically what all these things are now maybe before 2020 might've been 2019. I just remember thinking, this is incredible. Did the insight and this guy, that bald guy, Pep was like resurrecting Mm -hmm. the franchise, their their power again. And just, you know, it's like watching an NFL team on steroids in terms of their popularity, their power, what they mean to the region. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, there's the individual skills and this gets back to like Steph playing golf. There's no way he can practice enough with Mm. what he's got going on to be good enough like he barely held on beating like Marty Fish, you know, who's a yeah. tennis player, right? Or uh, whoever was in the mix these last couple of years. It's usually Tony Romo. John Smoltz is a guy I think who's tried to play on the senior tour. Again, he he probably has more time with St- than Steph because 
and his kids oh. are out of the house. He's he's older and he still can't do it. He gets he gets fucking destroyed because mm. that's all these guys I do, mean, this, <laughs> right? You're bringing up something right now that, that I'm interested in. I've got two avenues in my mind. One is the humble brag about the time that I saw Steph uh, at, at a golf course at some event. Um, and he, as part of the event, was assessing media member swings. And I had to deal with the pressure of him standing over me and watching my swing and giving an assessment. Um, but the other avenue in my mind is to go into this territory of why quarterbacks and why pitchers uh, are, are these great golfers, you know, great amateur golfers. I'll do the first one. I'll do the first one. I don't know why and I don't know how. Forget me and it be nerve wracking when Steph watched me do a few drives. Who really cares? That's more interesting to me than it is to anybody else. But I got the sense from watching him tee off. I could feel that he was a really great golfer who wasn't a, a pro level golfer. I don't know why. And I don't know how I'm a very casual golf fan, but I could just feel it. I could feel that sense of, Oh, that's impressive that you can put a fade on it when you want to put a fade on it. That's, that's, you know, you're good. You, you know, that's going 300 yards. You're really good. But I could also just, I don't know how, and I don't know why have that spidey sense of, yeah, but it's not, it's not quite at that level. It's not quite at that level that it would need to be at. Um, I will say he compared my swing to Sam Snead. I will say that. Uh, I think he was trying to flatter the media members. Well, it was scary because he went up and he was just, he had that shit eating grin and he went, oh boy, I can't wait to see this. And I'm not good and I'm not experienced. And I felt, I felt very assessed. I felt like at that point, I think it was around 20, 15 i was a beat writer and so i was writing about what these guys do and they're the best in the world at it and he obviously is the best of the best and suddenly here he was judging a physical activity of mine that i am not well versed in and to what you're saying that sense that you get in golf when everything is still and quiet and you're being watched and um yeah i did i did okay i had a few good hacks at it um it was I think it's good when you force yourself to do those situations in general. Um, and there's something, there's something healthy about it, uh, about forcing yourself to be uncomfortable. Um, like LeBron recently uh, lied and said was his favorite quote after, uh, I think it was, was it Rashford, the soccer player who said that LeBron said, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that all the time, you know, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, but it's true regardless of whether LeBron was lying or not. Um, I was at the Sloan Wait, LeBron conference. Lied? Come on. I know it's a, it's very, look, it's a wild accusation. Maybe I shouldn't make this podcast free. Maybe I should pay a wallet. I don't want to get sued. Um, but at the, uh, the Sloan conference, they had a simulator where you walk up and you take a few golf swings and there's a line and there's a golf pro who assesses you. And I walked in there and I'm wearing my dress shirt and I felt my heart pumping and it was nerve wracking. And in many ways, it was humiliating. The guy, the golf pro literally said to me, try to just make the swing more athletic. You know, that was the, yeah. the, the assessment right there. But even then, John, it's still healthy. It was still, I felt good still getting the little adrenaline rush 
and forcing myself to do the thing that I was a little bit scared to do. I'm getting far afield. I should be redirecting. Uh, why pitchers and why quarterbacks? Why are they so goddamn good at golf? Well, I, I think the key to golf and really the only guy who's ever bulked up to a level that looked like a pro athlete was Tiger, and he didn't really play that well when he was like it. And I would say he slimmed down a little bit. It's much more of the most quarterbacks historically have not been super lift, strong, buff guys, right? And most pitchers as, as well. I mean, that they're, people would be shocked to know their fitness routines. But pliability, stretching is a big deal for, I would say, both positions. It's one thing I noticed with Steph is think about just over the time when he was winning MVPs originally, right? Much thinner, much just younger. And now he's much, I would say, bulkier in a good way to maintain the life of the season. He's just much stronger. He looks physically, I I don't want to go say jacked, but relative to what he used to be, definitely is. And I kind of watch a guy that kind of feels like a jack guy swinging. And if you watch the match, Butch Harmon, who's the most famous golf coach of all time, Tigers guy, coaches all these guys now, was like texting in, tell him to like be more athletic, tell him to turn more. But I would imagine he's just Mm. through his lifting for basketball. It probably is limited as golf swing. I mean, I, I, I never really lifted most of my life until probably the last three or four years. And I find my golf swing is kind of different and I haven't played as well because you just get, you don't have as much pliability, right? It's, it's Brady's whole thing. The more you age, I watched Aaron Rodgers talk about in his press conference yesterday about the inflammation about, you know, stuff that you don't even think Mm. about when you're younger, that as you age and Steph's 35 now, or just any of these guys, you know, the the lifting, there's a difference between lifting to like feel good and stretch your muscles and then lift kind of like Steph lifts to bang off, you know, LeBron's and Giannis's all season long, which he has to, and that's his occupation. But if he was a golfer, I think he would scrap all that shit and he wouldn't be as remotely thick as he is, which is weird because if you look at him, the casual guy, he doesn't look super buff. But, you, you know, I mean, you've seen the, the maturation of his body over the years. It's dramatically different than it used to be probably when I was following him at Stonebray in that Corn Ferry event. Hmm. Well, now I'm thinking about it. I do think the quarterback lifting is probably more aligned with what you need to do golf-wise uh, than some of, especially what Steph 100%. does. I know yeah. core is important in either one, and there's a lot of emphasis on core. But you think about when Steph does his warm up, what's a part of his warm up? One of the the main feature, the most fun thing to watch in that warm up, it's when he's taking the logo three point shots and hitting about half of them, and yeah. that motion is this squat and up vertically and forward. Whatever that motion is, is not like anything you're doing with a golf swing versus when you're watching the quarterback documentary on Netflix, which you guys over at the volume, I think have some sort of arrangement with, I I don't know. Uh, I'm not alleging there's any sort of conflict of interest or your assessment is not honest about it. I don't even know why I brought that up. A lot lot of carry, a lot of carryovers. I I, Colin was like the for NFL films, you know, aficionados like the John Facenda, the guy that used to kind of narrate. Mm. He's he's in it a lot. Oh, it's uh, there's there, there's a lot there's a lot of overlap right there. Uh, but yeah, the exercises Mahomes is doing it seems to be more core, and you're swinging your body, and there just seems to be more mutually beneficial exercise than what Steph is doing with the logo three pointers. Well, I just think in general in basketball, 
and, and you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but is it fair to say that Steph drives way more than he used to? He's much more aggressive with the mm. ball or, or willing to bounce off people. I mean, there was once better that, at it now. Th- there's once a time, John, when I would know that, or at least the players on the Warriors would think I would know it. Every time they needed a, an advanced stat, they would look at the nerdy guy and just expect me to have an answer, and it rarely happened. So I'll, I'll, buy, regardless, I'll buy what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's it goes back to Jordan. Jordan bulked up after getting his ass kicked by Isaiah. It's just, as a basketball player, you want to get a little stronger. As a quarterback, like... In theory, you could get destroyed every game, right? Uh, a defensive lineman could slam you to the ground, but you're not going into yeah. the mindset of you're going to get crushed, right? No. It's no. more about like being able to make every throw, intellectually understand the game plan, know where my coach wants it to go, and then if you're a guy like Mahomes, knowing a couple times a game, I'm going to have to kind of just be an athlete instincts, just take over and just make some crazy shit happen. But I don't think about, like, I need to add an extra 10 pounds of muscle, so, like... One off-season story that, you know, I don't know if all your listeners are going to lock in on Miami Dolphins, but Tua Tonga-Vailoa, mm. right? Last year, <laughs> Anthony concuss- Slater is the only person listening currently <laughs> as a random Dolphins fan, but continue. He, he would know this. He got, most people saw the, the viral video last year when he got slammed to the ground and his, and the his fingers. body. I, I yeah. forget the exact, there's like a medical term, but it was, it's, it's a hard watch whenever that happens. And it's very rare it happens to a quarterback. Historically, it used to happen to like guys going across the middle and getting destroyed. And it was just, I think it was Thursday night football. It was a tough watch. He had got a concussion the week before. We thought and been cleared. Well, this whole offseason has been like he's bulking up and doing Taekwondo to help when he falls on the ground that he can just fall better. And I've red flagged that because when a guy like whoever these defensive linemen are, Six four, six five, three hundred pounds. They all run like running backs now. I don't give a shit who, if Horace Gracie or Chuck Liddell mm. or any of these guys taught you, you're going down the way they want you to go down. And mm. he has to learn to just go down on his own. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady can move. They just go yeah. or just throw the ball away. Right? It's not. It's not a physical position at all. It's a, and same with pitching. Right? It's a mental. It's like you are the coach running this like do i throw a fastball do i shake off the it's all in my head using the you have to have the physical skills to be in the position but once you're in that position it's up in your head and to go the quarterback if you watch like there's almost mahomes has this curry of it just like he's able to just play obviously there's a lot going on in his head but when you watch him play it just seems like he just kind of lets it fly even though it's not that but that's how it feels when you watch him where cousins who is a really good player and is going to make hundreds of millions of dollars playing quarterback and can get you to double digit wins and in the playoffs, which is a huge accomplishment in the NFL is like very robotic. And it just feels like because physically he doesn't have the high end skills to run away, right? There are just some things he's going to lack yet. He maximizes every ounce of talent he has, which at the end of the day, probably isn't that much relative to a lot of the really good guys, right? He wouldn't beat anyone yeah. in a foot race. He couldn't out jump anyone. He couldn't throw the ball farther, but he can try really hard. And even at the pro level, there is something to be said about just like effort. And that's what makes like Mahomes and Steph, you know, LeBron, whoever, Aaron Rodgers, Brady, these guys try also really hard and they have the high end skills. So they kick everyone's ass pretty consistently. Yeah, the iconic clip from that trailer of Mahomes spinning out 
uh, when it looks like he's going to try to run for the pile on uh, spinning away from a tackle with incredible dexterity and then just flipping it kind of casually to the receiver. And then, I mean, there's just something about what he says, the taunt, there's something about the taunt where he says, I think he says, I'm like that, or I'm kind of like that. Just it, it, there's something iconic about that because it's just a, a weird facility in chaos with people trying to kill you with a taunt where he's not usually when a guy, I mean, there's a lot of adrenaline in these situations. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could see celebrations from a homes like this where the fear is almost fueling the celebration, the prior fear, and they're bellowing and they're going crazy. But for him to just spin off that guy and then flip the ball in all that chaos, I would encourage anybody to look at the uh, the trailer for quarterback to see it. And just, I'm like that. It's just, I mean, he is on, um, he is on another level. Now, I still have one, at least one golf-related question here, and it ties into your whole thing. Uh, you said on your podcast that when you're out in the course, almost everybody you run into can talk football, that there's something connected about these two worlds, golf and football, that they are, they are aligned in some way, which makes sense of your career currently, because you have a golf podcast and a football podcast. So these sports from a distance don't seem similar at all, John. What is going on here? I, I think you're correct, but I'm just trying to make sense of the mystery of it. Well, I don't, you know, I, I started playing golf when I was young and I played football, not because I was any good, because all my friends played who were good. And I just like being around them. And it's a very, I would say, communal sport just because of the amount of people, even in high school, that are on a team, right? There's just way more people on a football team than any other sport, right? There's double the amount of people on a baseball team than a basketball team, and they're more, more than double the amount of people on a football team. So you're around a lot of people, which when you're young is, is cool. And then if you're good, you kind of just keep going. Uh, I, I would say the the football thing, one, football is just really popular. And I, I would say just sports in general. Like you can just have sports conversations. But most people I know, like most of my friends, like I'm not a media guy. I didn't come up and meet. Most of my friends work in the construction world, work in finance, work in some sort of sales, like work in the business world most of their conversations at a happy hour or over like trying to land a deal, like sports is kind of, especially with guys, right. It's something we talk about and football right now is the most popular. Now, if you wanted to go to a golf course in 1993, right. Maybe the conversation was Ken Griffey jr. And Barry Bonds, right. It's just, but I do think that football, it's just, it's got it all right. It's, it's a national sport yet. It's regional yet. A lot of people that play golf, I, I would imagine if we did the statistics, went to school, right, somewhere in college. So you usually root for your college football team. Like I, you went to Cal. Like I'm not saying you're the biggest Cal fan, but you kind of probably pay it to if Cal football was a top if 15 ever. team. You, yeah, that, but <laughs> yeah. w- w- when I was in college, they were the early Yeah, if they were the early Tedford era. Dude. When I was there, Aaron Rodgers was, was the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the place and by was the way, packed, and I, I – by the way, that guy was obviously going to be an amazing NFL prospect. I didn't know shit about projecting football players, but when he was passed on by the Niners, I, I had seen enough to know that was a mistake, but continue. I, I also think there are a lot of parallels probably in, in business and football. 
I think it's easy to have a casual opinion on football, just about the the top shelf level, whether it's a coach, whether it's a quarterback, whether it's whatever controversy in the league, just on the surface level thing, not break down, mm. you know, the linebacker play for the Seattle Seahawks, but just go like, God, what's Belichick's deal? You know, and that's just mm. something. Did you, There was a quote today of Sean Payton just talking a bunch of shit about Nate Hackett, who is now Rogers offensive coordinator, coached the Denver Broncos and saying this was the worst coach team he'd ever seen and everything was wrong. And it was just, it was a quote that I think was pretty mm. eye opening just because no coaches anymore, like in the nineties, when we were kids, coaches in all three sports, basketball, baseball, and football, would just blast other players, blast other coaches. It was just kind of a free for all. But now everyone's so scared to piss anyone off and say, that's yeah. 100% a fact what Sean Payton said. Nate Hackett did not even make it one season. He was fired, I think, with a couple games to go. That was It's an mm. unequivocal disaster, right? If you don't even make it a season, everyone acknowledges oh, that was doesn't get any worse. Yet he says everyone's like, God, I can't believe he said that. Well, why? We're all thinking it. Everyone said that mm. if you follow football. But th- those are the type, like when coaches are fired, I just think it's easy for people to have opinions on a sport that I would say a lot of people just casually follow. Oh, I, I think you are underselling the connection potentially. I think there's something, there is something there. There's something about, there are quite different stresses. One is of the body. The other is a different kind of mental pressure, but you've got your individualized job in football that you do. Even if you're with a team, it's not like, when I go play pickup basketball with friends and we're all just having fun, there's a little bit of, you know, even on the golf course, it's fun, but there's a little bit of you're under, you're under pressure. And I think there is, I think there's a connection there. I don't think it's um, purely about this is the substrate. This is what we talk about because it's the most popular sport. If you were golfing in uh, the UK, everybody would be talking about their football I mean, they might be. Uh, <laughs> that's well, probably I, I've what got, would I've got, I've got, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of theories on just the pop. There's a lot of variables for the popularity of football. But when you watch the mm. off season and a lot of things go viral with players, a lot of it revolves around them drinking beer, right? And a lot mm. of people in society drink beer. Well, what do you do on the golf course? You drink beer. What's a huge part of football? I've got, okay, Gamble. I want to talk about g- g- this too. I want to talk about. I'm what, so glad you're bringing this up. Did you? A huge, a huge part of football gambling right not for the players you get suspended if you do that but people gamble yeah. what do you do on the golf course e- even if you would gamble more on a football game than you win the golf course we got five dollars on a side right so we're betting ten dollars and we're playing five five mm. five five each nine and five overall or ten or whatever i mean michael jordan's playing for hundreds of thousand dollars but it, there's gambling there's an element you know football the business of football what's the biggest controversy right now running backs are underpaid right? The, the, the market yeah. element. Well, what do people do when they play golf? A lot of people, it's a lot of it's business related deals get done. So there are just all these parallels to the sport that just, I, I think people that watch football have a lot of certain characteristics that you can check off. Just like a lot of people that play golf, certain characteristics. It's not for all. Mm. And again, I, I've had conversations about basketball or the stock market. You can have a conversation about a million things on a fucking golf course, but I would say yeah. football is a pretty quick, especially moving to Arizona, where I play it, where they have the waste management, it's a public golf course. So in the, yeah. like, uh, that's I, I a fun, a lot of people that's from, a fun event, by the way, for sure. And, and I play with people from all over the country. And this is where I say, like, I'll meet someone like, where are you guys from? They'll be like, Wisconsin. Well, we end up talking about the Packers by the second hole, right? Or I'm from Minnesota. Mm. 
we're talking about the Vikings. And that, I would say that's a pretty consistent thing I've had playing with random people from across the country, wherever they're from, they're usually pretty dialed into their football team. So you're, you're getting a lot here. I think uh, it's a pretty, um, pretty, I don't know how you'd even say it. Brotastic, highly masculinized, something, some such with, uh, with football, obviously, and golf is also a place for that sort of outlet in a different way where people are cutting loose. The beer is something that's interesting to me. I played golf last week in Tahoe um, with my brother-in-law, and I start off okay. I'm not good, but I have a couple of good tee shots. But where'd you play? As happens uh, at North Star. Um, okay. You played? Have you played North Star? I never have. I've driven by it a million times. Um, I mean, I can't. Of course, like as you're driving to the mountain, I think it is. Yeah. I can't I can't compare it to other courses because I don't have that kind of experience. To me, it was very difficult. To me, it started out okay, this is going okay, and then it's wait a second, it's a dog leg. I can't even see where the pin is. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea. And the worst yeah. part about it all is hey, I like to drink sometimes, but I can't hold my liquor like that. My brother-in-law was was just pumping that is just pumping that booze. He was saying, come on. You know, I don't even think I've ever seen you drunk before. You know, we got to let's go. Let's roll with it. And he's doing fine. And I'm falling apart. And I'm just in my head. I'm wondering, this is kind of I mean, I know it's taken for granted almost that you do this, but I feel like it works out for some people better, better than others. John, I feel like for me, I mean, high altitude drinking out there in the sun. I was it was getting pretty rough you know, by, by the time we were getting into the double digit holes is, is what I'm there's saying. A there's and, a, there's a balance. There's a balance. I think you yes. have to, uh, you know, cause it slows down your swing and, and it just eases you out, but there's a fine line that's, I would say consistently crossed. Right. Yeah. But I, but I think if yeah. you just go to the average course, it could be a country club or a private course. People are boozing on the course. And w- I think it's no different than, you know, for a long period of time, whether I worked in the league or even when I had a radio show, like we've talked about this before, when you sit in the media room, you're separate from the people. But when you go to a normal seat and sit with the people, people are all drinking in the the arena yeah. or the you go to a concert. Like th- these are these people's outlets. Most people for golf, it's like they're three or four hours out of the house maybe that week, right? If you go to a football game, that's that's the opposite of you for work. That's your fun time. Right. And it's yeah. usually a little longer than that because you tailgate. It's just a time to kind of let loose, be with your people and just have a good time. And I think the players really represent that, whether it's I don't know if you saw like the busted with the boys. Those guys had a, a beer Olympics with players from all over the NFL there. Jason, it's just it's all over the NFL. It's just a it's a beer drinking sport. You know, yeah. I, I'd say with the yeah. players, the consumers, the coaches, and, and I, I also encompass cocktails or whatever it's it's a drinking man's game not yeah, when you're playing yeah. it it's not it's not, not like golf where you can't be drunk and play football but like it's it's intertwined in the uh mm. in like the ethos of the people that are around football yeah whether it's fans definitely or players i might have to be the dork who just doesn't drink i don't think it works out for me i'll probably lose points with my brother-in-law who he's a high level electrician I feel like uh, the family I've married into and the the extended family, a lot of people are in the trades. I'm a very weird guy to them. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I can, I can you imagine. Know. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Imagine how, explaining, just explaining to some people what it is, what it is that I do. You know, it's like it's an email. Like the email makes money. Like yeah, that's 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 what happens. Let's uh, let's hit the golf course. Let's uh, let's see how this uh, let's see how this all goes. Uh, I guess you, you okay, know what I'm you know what though. Got, everyone can yeah. relate to. You just gotta show. You just gotta show them the the net profits, the bottom line. They go, oh damn. <laughs> that'll, that'll shut up everyone up quick. <laughs> might seem like a dick if I'm doing that, but no, I, I sometimes. Well, no, they, tell but then they can appreciate that it's a real job. Yes, you know. Yes. I, well, I sometimes have told my wife that to tell my mother-in-law, just like, just tell her, like, just tell her it makes money because otherwise, I just think she's going to be confused by the whole thing and she's going to be worried. So just communicate yeah. that, and that will that will make things a little bit easier. Um, one more thing on the golf on the golf football connection. I'd be remiss not to ask because you work at the volume and Colin has pointed to Tony Romo and cited his golf addiction as a potential reason for impeding his rise as a broadcaster. Honestly, it's one of my favorite Colin takes. It's just one of these takes that you're not going to get from anybody else. And the idea, you know, he wants to be on the PGA tour, not in the booth, you know, that kind of take Um, you, sir, you're 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 the guy who's doing golf analysis at the volume. I mean, how do you feel about Collins' potentially tongue-in-cheek uh, belief that hiring golfers can be a bad idea because they're out in the course too much? Well, I, I don't disagree if you are trying to be like Tony Romo. The amount of time that you have to put in to be really good it takes a lot of time. I mean, it's just that's it's not disputable. I, I did this to do a to. Like I, I've turned all my hobbies into financial revenue sources. Like I did this to mm. do a business. Like I, I want to make this a podcast, which we all benefit from, right? Like this yeah. is your sell merchandise event. You know, it's just, I rolled this in. Like I, I have to do to be successful in my life, do what I really like and then figure out a way to monetize it. But I also like, I, I live in Arizona. I haven't played golf in a month. It's 115 to like, mm. I don't, I'm not, I, I don't care that much. Right. I, I love talking yeah. about the sport. I like watching it and gambling on it as much as I do playing. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone called me tomorrow, I'm like, hey, do you want to play Augusta week one of the NFL season? I would try to figure <laughs> out a way to you know, do it all. But I, I'm not like I, I think Romo's a good example of like he literally tries to play in these events. Like I don't play competitive golf. I play once or twice yeah. a week. I hit balls sometimes just to get outside to breathe because I, you know, sometimes you just got to get out of the house. But it's. I, I did it to create a business around it. You know, it's uh, that's that that was my view around golf. But I, I do think there are definitely some he's not totally wrong. And I'm probably much closer to like, you know, going to golf courses consistently than Colin. But people that are addicted to golf spend a lot of time to golf. And I, I like golf a lot, but I like I watch yeah. the PJ Tour as much as I like. I, I know a lot of people that would like I'm going to go play golf while the the open is on. Like I, I watch it. Right, I, I like watching it as much as I okay, like wait. I'm not good enough either. Okay, so the, one of the guys I golfed with in my extended family, whenever I said the British Open, he would correct me and say the Open. Uh, where do you come down on that? You know, does, does it have? I, I feel a little weird about it. I feel like we're almost slighting America. Yeah, I feel by, like it was the British Open my whole life, and then recently they've been very adamant about like. It was always the open. I I don't know. I I remember it being the British Open when I was a kid, and like Tiger was playing in it. Now they definitely yeah. hammer it home like the open. I, I don't think it matters. Every, everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about bad weather 
guys in long sleeves and windbreakers uh, hitting out of weird bunkers. Yeah, I don't like it aesthetically as much. I think it's my least favorite of the uh, of the majors. I know some people might be offended by that. Um, it's just you know it. I, I understand it's where golf came from, but it doesn't look like what it is, and it's just kind of. I don't. I don't want to see miserable conditions when when I watch the sport. That's just my. That's just my take on it. Um, I'm going to ask you some fairly random NFL questions, if you don't mind, because NFL season is approaching uh, very quickly. Um, what did you make of Trevor Lawrence? Did you see the top, the NFL top 100 ranking for him? That, that just confused me. This is all from a casual fan perspective. Did you see I, the? I, was he was he not was he an omission or was he below Justin Fields? I, I saw a headline. I, I haven't seen the the ranking. Ninety six in the NFL top one hundred. I, as a normie casual football fan, was very surprised by that because I thought, wait a second, this guy. I thought this guy's like next superstar. Won a playoff game. Um, is that something to you Play, as player, football players expert? Vote, that, remember. This is not yeah, like players GMs and vote. coaches voting. This is players. Yeah, the players the players vote. Yeah, I think that's key to know, which is what makes it so cool. Um, as a I should even establish what it is for people who don't know. The NFL has the players vote on the top one hundred players, and then the NFL NFL films does a fantastic job cutting together some film with interviews of these guys for everybody in the top one hundred. And it's a kind of behind the scenes insight and promo for that sport that you don't get anything close to in the NBA. So I'm always very, I'm always very interested in it this time of year. Um, I was surprised that he was only 96 and I'm just hoping you can explain that to me that uh, how it's out of alignment with my perception as a, as a casual. Well, you're, but you're not out of line. Like if you had to get the general managers and coaches that actually decide, you know, the value of these guys, his number would not be there. Now it wouldn't be seven, but it would, I, I just Googled because I wanted to make sure Justin Fields was 86. I mean, J- Justin yeah. Fields has not That's proven crazy. he can throw yet, but he can run and he's, he's faster than basically every guy in the league. I and mean, he's a remarkable runner, but his team had the worst record in the end of, I mean, they were, they were worse than the Texans who everyone thought were a complete embarrassment. They were worse. Like they picked one. Now they ended up trading back, but it just shows you like things sometimes players value and, I think the argument always is like, how often do players really take this seriously? The other thing with the NFL, mm. unlike baseball or basketball, right? Like you could be like, well, center's kind of out of vogue in basketball. Well, yeah, unless you got Jokic, right? Or Embiid or like one of the elite guys. If if you want to consider Anthony Davis, like there are still guys that like are still elite top 10 players, right? In baseball, if I hit 40 home runs and have 120 RBIs and 300 batting average, like regardless if I play second base or left field, like I'm very valuable in football. Clearly there are more valuable positions than others. And, and quarterback is in a different universe than all the other positions. So you might as well just have like a top 15 quarterback ranking and then rank all the other non quarterbacks, right? Because there is yeah. how many, how many non quarterbacks. If you like you, if you ask every head coach and every GM in the league, if they could have Trevor Lawrence or their pick of the litter of the non-quarterbacks. You, every single one would take Trevor yeah. Lawrence first, right? Over, you name the position, whether it's Trent Williams, whether it's Aaron Donald, whether it's Kelsey, yeah. doesn't matter. So it's 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 a stupid exercise that way. And I'm not trying to be like, 
guy that talks about sports shitting on something that clearly is kind of interesting to some people. But it is when you factor in that quarterback is just not like the other positions in terms of importance. Yeah, I mean, that is that is an issue. And that brings me to my next topic. What do you make of the how it's in the news right now that running backs are getting dismissed and not paid much of anything? I haven't followed all of it. I know that uh, something to do with this, this is how things come to me. It's just sort of vaguely as a casual. Some about Saquon Barkley, some about running backs needing to maybe get together and band together to fight the unfairness of how they've been di- diminished and, and paid so little. Uh, what is your take on that? I think what makes football unique, like I the example I just gave, you get a max contract in baseball or basketball, regardless of your position, if you're elite, right? If you're Saquon Barkley yeah. in baseball, you could play any of the nine positions and you're getting broken off. Same thing in basketball. In football, it's like real estate. Well, the same house in Danville, California, doesn't go for the same in Nebraska, right? They're different yeah. values depending. Well, in football... If you play left tackle or you play defensive end, you make more than if you play linebacker or or running back or tight end. It's valued that way or guard or center. What's really pissed me off about this is the running backs act like they're more valuable than some of these other positions that are also viewed as not that valuable. Like why why is Saquon Mm. Barkley worth more than the best guard in the NFL or Fred Warner, Mm. the star linebacker on the Niners? But they view themselves because they're quote unquote, maybe a more famous player, typically in college. They, you know, it, historically, it's kind of changing now as the game spreads out. But the other thing is, if you just casually follow, you're like, God, what are these guys making? Like league minimum? All these guys talking are making 10 to $12 million. Mm. So it's, you yeah. could argue they're maybe 10%, 20% more valuable than what they're getting. But they are not in like, that everyone's getting $2 million, right? Well, are, and aren't I, there I just some think they're, mechan- the game is are, aren't, there some, aren't there some mechanisms by which, and I'm not an expert on any of this, there's the you've got the scale when you're drafted and then you can make your big money afterwards and the running backs lifespan is accelerated that the schedule might deny them the big payday or am I wrong in that impression? Yeah, but I mean, Saquon Barkley was drafted number two overall. So he got, mm-hmm. I think, thirty six million dollars through his first uh, five years of yeah. his career. So he, he's averaged over seven million dollars throughout his career. And then you know, with this $11 million, basically franchise tag, he'll have averaged $8 million over six seasons. And he, Mm. I I know you're probably not super locked in on the giants has hurt his ankle, hurt his ACL has missed. I've seen these throughout that period of time. So it's, I, I think if you just turn on NFL live, all their former players, it's always, they're getting screwed. It's sometimes like, yeah, it's been pretty lucrative partnership. Both sides. When Saquon's been healthy, He's been a famous player, good for the Giants. They've only had one winning season during that time, but good guy. You like having him on your squad, but they've also, they haven't paid him, you know, he hasn't worked, this hasn't been a charity. Like, they've paid him a decent amount of money here. So there's, I I just think we often get in these spots where they act like they're in a different lane than maybe three or four other position groups who just kind of just keep swinging. Like, I Oh, there's a guard on the Cowboys right now who's uh, like an eight-time All-Pro. He's one of the great guards of his generation who's making $7 million. He's not showing up to camp. He's like, I'm worth more. In a vacuum, he is a much better player than all these running backs. Now, he doesn't score touchdowns or whatever. And like running backs, guards and centers, you know, are are typically viewed as, because it's a fact, more replaceable because I can find a guy in the later rounds to just be my starting guard. But it's no different than the running backs. 
like part of the every the argument when the Giants drafted Saquon is you don't need to take a running back number two just from an economical standpoint. You can just find a guy, I don't know, in the fourth round to do 88% of what you're going to get out of him. And historically, that's just been a fact, especially in the modern passing game era. You know, back yeah. before we were born, like the 60s, 70s, it was a run, even in the 80s, and then it's morphed. Well, the more and more the quarterbacks are getting, why are they getting more? Because you're passing the ball. So McCaffrey's a good example. Saquon's not a great pass-catching running back. McCaffrey is elite. Mm. He could just play wide receiver. So his value, it's like, well, why are some writers still doing well? Because they can also podcast. They can also go on TV. Like, McCaffrey can do it all. Saquon doesn't pass protect very well. You know what pass protection is? Blocking for the guy blitzing at the quarterback. Pretty valuable skill. Not something he wanted to do. Mm. I'll give you an example. Adrian Peterson, Hall of Famer, was not good at it either but he was one of the great true running backs of all time. So it was like, yeah, yeah, he's so good. Like whatever we'll deal with some of his limitations. Saquon's not on that level. Yeah. I think that's all well said. The one to me, that's more obviously unfair and maybe that's weird terminology because really it just means there's a market inefficiency and look, you can tell me I'm not an expert. This is just from the outside. I, I read uh, Tyler Dunn's book on NFL tight ends NFL tight ends seem collectively underpaid to me and have been for, for sure. some time. And that that's strange because you're thinking, okay, this is something of a free market, although it's a closed system. You would think that everybody wants to win, so they'll just spend the most on whatever they should do. I mean, I'm almost thinking, ah, I don't know. Why wouldn't I just try to do what the Patriots did uh, when, you know, before Aaron Hernandez uh, was killing people, uh, you know, and, and have two elite tight ends because in many cases a, a great tight end gets paid half of what a great receiver gets paid. And it just seems like every Super Bowl team has a great tight end. Uh, I, I'm looking at this historically. I mean, Rob Gronkowski made $70 million over the course of his entire career. And he is arguably the greatest ever tight end. Um, what the hell is up with that, John? It just seems like that should... Is that correcting? Should it correct? It just seems like they should make more. No. My thing has always been, at least of recent memory, since these guys, like there have been more and more Travis Kelsey, George Kittles, uh, the Ravens have one. If I'm in a draft and I have the same grade on a a wide receiver and a tight end, and they, they are my highest graded player, let's say in the first round, I am taking the tight end. Because then if I I plan on hitting on whoever I'm drafting. So in my mind, I'm going to hit on this player. By the time I give the second contract, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill, for example, basically got guaranteed last year when they were traded to the Raiders and the Dolphins, $70 million. And that's their third contract for both guys. So they're they're, they're flying by the Gronkowskis and the Kelseys and even the Kittles. Kittle makes $15 million. Kelsey's takes a little he kind of does like a Tom Brady version of tight ends in, in Kansas City because mm-hmm. he's he makes a lot off the field too but still he is he's even said like I look around the league and going I, I know if I just hit free agency I could get way more but I love it here I'm in a great spot they are a lot like running backs and guards and linebackers even if you are an all-time great hall of famer it's based on your position so even if you have the sweetest fucking house in North Dakota it is never going to cost what it would cost in Palo Alto or Malibu. So a tight mm. end, the va- like, no one is ever going to, Kelsey is a $30 million player. But like, 
if I want to max you out relative to other tight ends, I only have to go to 17, right? So why would I give yeah. you 30? Where the wide receivers and the offensive tackles, it, it's just, and this is the argument, most of the, the GMs get very, you know, they, they don't want to go public with their true beliefs because of piss off agents, but this is what they would tell Like, this is basic economics, right? It's based yeah. on your position. And it's just for whatever reason, historically, they didn't catch the ball as much until the last yeah. really like 10 years. And now they are becoming guys that are better than wide receivers. Like when George Kittle's rolling, Kelsey for sure, they are as good as wide receivers and they can just take over a game against any opponent. I mean, Kelsey, yeah. is, he might go down as the greatest pass catching tight end of all time, but he's paid like a blocking tight end. It's kind of great, but it's an incredible deal for well, the team. So maybe the real estate analogy here is the tight ends are kind of like Austin, Texas, where undervalued for a time, but now it's hot and perhaps uh, it will just get more and more expensive. The problem with that analogy, though, is Austin, Texas is really expensive right now, and tight ends just are still not, right? They're still cheap relative to wide receivers. Are they Reno? I mean, what's the next place that's going to get hot? Yeah, there's just an incredible value, but but they're never... But but they never just crazy jump, right? Quarterbacks were all like mm. quarterbacks. Some of these positions, pass rushers have always made more. You never catch them. This is where the running yeah. backs know they're kind of screwed. They go, how do we ever, you know, lap someone? Like that's that's never going to take, that's never mm-hmm. going to take place. We're always, mm. you know, in the, behind everybody. And there's no way for us to hit a jet pack and make up some ground here. We're going to keep getting screwed. And honestly, we might keep getting in their mind suppressed. And I think the teams will just say, it's just the value. It's just simply Mm -hmm. based on value. If we valued you more like we do tackles or defensive ends, we would pay you more where that's where I think the, the tight ends have much more of a gripe than the running backs. Yeah. What I would give for a Colin Cowherd tight end real estate take. I feel like that one that one would be in the wheelhouse right there. I don't know what he would go. I don't know which direction. I just know I would definitely, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like tight ends, they're Charleston, South Carolina. You know, I, I don't know. He would say something. I would well, be very much they're into They're much it. more like, a, to, to me, they're just an undervalued stock that you can get for relatively cheap and that just pays out if you hit the right one incredibly well on a year-in, year-out basis. And it doesn't cost you mm. that much money to get in. Like if I want in on certain stocks, I got to spend a lot of money, right? Mm. This would be like a $10 stock where I can accumulate a lot of shares. And that bad boy, if I get the right one, a Kelsey, a Kittle, a Mark Andrews, I mean, there's a ton of them, can 10x. There is no 10xing in running backs. The best, like yeah. no, no one, Derrick Henry's such an outlier. He ran for a couple thousand yards a couple years ago. Like that, that those days are done. Saquon Barkley is yeah. barely eclipsing like 1,300 yards. When, when we were kids, the Emmett Smiths, the, there, there were, the teams oh, were Tomlinson built around was, Tomlinson was a he guy was really, that was growing up in San yeah. Diego. But he, Me. but I would say he would be, he could have played in any, because he could also pass catch. He's like, he McCaff- was just like he's Marshall like McCaffrey. Falk. He's yeah. like Marshall Falk, LT, McCaffrey. They, they are any era, no matter what, no matter any offense, where, you know, Saquon, Travis Kelsey too, he's probably... I think he would probably tell you this over some beers. Like I'm in the perfect spot. I'm in a pass heavy Mm. offense where they let me, they don't ask me like Kyle Shanahan asks his tight end to block a lot. That's why George Kittle makes a lot of sense. Kelsey's not the greatest blocker. It's not really his thing, but he's uncoverable, right? Where Shanahan doesn't pass as much. So that's where in football, 
schemes also impact players value a lot. Like you can look a lot better with the right coach, which can make you a lot more money and you can look really shitty with the wrong coach, which can cost you a lot. Yes. Yeah. It it makes sense. That's pretty situational. Um, I think the final football question and this has been very sports heavy for House of Strauss. I, 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 I very mean, I much enjoyed we, it. No, I mean, you can talk, if you want vaccine takes, if, if you want, if you want to talk, <laughs> yay, as, you can talk about anything you want to talk about. Anything uh, in the sports culture, I like when you're critiquing the sports media because I think you sometimes uh, have a good insider outsider perspective on it. So if you want to tack on anything after this question, then feel free. Uh, okay, well, speaking of vaccine takes and Joe Rogan. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, giving back money. Uh, are you surprised by this? Do you think that there should be some praise of this, that he's giving, uh, he's taking some of a pay cut for the Jets to make them better? What's your take? Well, you know, when you've made a certain amount of money, right? If if there's a guy listening to this right now making 150 grand living in the Bay area like that, that money does not go as far as if you lived in the middle of America. So like to take a pay cut in certain jobs, it's hard to live when you've made hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds. And that's, I'm not even counting off the field where Rogers has cleaned up as well. 35 million or whatever the actual number they took sounds stupid to most people, right? To him, it's, he won't even, he really won't notice. Like, nothing in his life, for the most part. I mean, he can't, like, buy a team, but, like, everything's kind of free. And I give him credit for realizing, like, I think there was, like, an interview process, essentially, where he gave them, like, six months going to OTAs, being around this operation, seeing, like, I I think I got it. I I know what winning looks like because I've won in Green Bay. Mm. Going, I kind of believe in these guys. And when you make as much as Aaron makes, you know, a hundred plus million dollars owed over a couple of years, that, that is very, even though the NFL caps relatively big compared to others, you know, it's 225 million, 50 million on a cap. You do the math. I mean, it takes up a lot of space. So I I think you realize I want to win here. My legacy is going to be defined. If I can win with the jets, like if Rogers were to win a super bowl, the next two years, it, it would put him in the like legendary historical sports category right yeah it really it would take him like even tom went to tampa and tom had won so much it was just like the jets are a joke i mean the jets have the longest they haven't made the playoff now the kings made it they have the longest uh streak in all of sports and he would do what brett Favre couldn't i mean that's got to mean a little bit a little something if you're looking at those two guys with their similar i I think it's less See, I, I think it's less about like the Favre stuff. Like he kind of passed him. Like he he turned out to be the better mm. player for Green Bay. I think it's more, you know, he views in his era, even though he came in after these guys have already been in, like Brady and Manning. There, he'll never catch Tom, but you know, Manning went on to another team, won another Super Bowl. Like he he could have a pretty good gripe. All the MVPs, one forever in Green Bay, won a Super Bowl, and then I go to the Jets. Let's just say he wins an MVP, wins Super yeah. Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he'd go, what's, you know, Peyton Manning and me, what's just more people because Peyton was more corporate than me? I mean, what's, what the hell's the difference? I, I, I would go little, down as one of the great NFL players ever. Yeah. It's somewhat similar to LeBron's Cleveland championship counting more than other championships that it would count um, a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Hey, you're the expert, but that guy looks like a really good young receiver to me. Um, so maybe it's, it's a vote of confidence uh, for for that guy. Um, it makes me more intrigued with the situation. I This is what's happened, John. Ever since I um, retired from being an on-the-ground basketball media guy, you see me drifting to some of these other sports now that I finally have the time to, uh, to pay attention to them. And it also has me enjoying your content, which is thorough and fantastic. And if you don't have any sports cultural takes or you want to save them for the future, John, we can, uh, we can do the outros and you can plug away to your heart's content what we all should be yeah, checking out there. Yeah, I think the, the Levitard Stephen A. stuff's a little played out oh. with me. I don't really care. Uh, I've heard your <laughs> takes honest. on it. I've actually watched just because it kind of comes up to on YouTube of just guys screaming back and forth who are Stephen A. embrace it, but Dan, I, you know, sometimes it's like Dan, you're making millions of dollars. I it's just some of these guys. It's just so stupid. I, I can't. I, I I don't think my personal take is. I, I think fans. Some of the stuff is kind of interesting at first, and then it kind of keeps going and it gets played out pretty quick, you know, and it gets back. Mm. And that's why I think the NFL is really good because it's it's good at it can create NFL or excuse me NBA storylines that are off the field whether it's Aaron Rodgers vaccine yeah. or whether it's some crazy thing happened with a coach arrest I don't know all, all sorts of off the field stuff but then it always just gets back to football pretty quickly yeah you know oh. it just gets back to God are the Jets going to be really good they look pretty good on TV when the NFL Network was there at their second training camp practice right. Yeah, they've got a magical etch-a-sketch where whatever stupid bullshit that they wouldn't want to be in the news, then the new week rolls around and it's now week four instead of week three. And the etch-a-sketch the etch has been shaken up and all that other stuff has been erased and there's a new focus and there's a new story and you're kind of kept on pace with it, uh, which the NBA, by contrast, I think gets beleaguered and weighed down and you know, these various storylines uh, tend to linger to what you're saying. Everybody enjoys some drama, enjoys some media beef, sure. but it does become, it does become a situation when Stephen A is addressing what Dan addressed about him in response to what's being addressed and as entertaining as it all is. And as entertaining as Stephen A is when he's going off and he's in that um, sleeveless shirt in that studio. Uh, I often find myself going, I'm probably in the upper percentile of people who can track what's happening. And I can't even remember who said what about who, and I've kind of lost the thread right here. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, part of it might just be it's middle of July. I mean, it's, if it's, mm. you know, October, is, is, is anyone pay, yeah, is anyone paying attention? I don't know. And Stephen A, you know, mid October talking Dallas Cowboys. Like he's no dummy. Yeah. No, no, no. That guy is quite effective at uh, at making a lot of money talking sports. He he definitely knows definitely knows when to uh, address certain topics. Uh, as do you, John. What is you've got so many things to plug? Plug away. Let us know where to check you out. Yeah, we got a uh, lot going on. So you just follow me on social media. Post all the stuff there. At John Middlecoff, Instagram. I like Twitter. that. People can't see it, but John just rubbed his face <laughs> like he was beleaguered and tired from his prep. I think that's a good sign, folks. I'm sorry. You were saying. Yeah, so three and out podcast. You can listen wherever. Uh volume sports, check out. That's where Draymond Draymond lives. Uh so a lot, lot going on there. Uh me and Haberman 49er seasons off and running. Brought Love 30 Haberman. out of practice a day. So we got uh 
Tito's big sponsor coming back starting August 1st. So we're rocking and rolling. So we'll just keep content flowing. I, I, I heard you say, I was listening this morning at the gym, you and Spike talking. And it felt like you were speaking to me. I get tired after mm. podcasting too. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, especially the podcast I do by myself. Uh, it just, mm-hmm. it, it takes a lot. Sometimes I'll go like, especially if I record late in the afternoon, and I go back home from the office and my girlfriend is like, God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of worn out. It's like, what are you yeah, doing? You're like, on digging ditches. Like, no, just, just podcasting. No, you've got it. This is a very niche concern that many of the listeners don't, don't have in their own lives. But I think you actually have to prepare for the post podcast feeling because it's very normal to go oh my podcast wraps up at one and then bada bing bada boom i do this you know as my next activity it's like no you're actually kind of cooked uh if you're like myself or like yourself because hey folks we're 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 on right now we're trying to channel as much energy as we can to entertaining you good people and so you know maybe we need a little nappy nap i don't know we just need a little bit of break after uh after it's all said and done but in this case, I have thoroughly enjoyed my time. John, we love uh, whenever you come on. Really appreciate it. And uh, I have no way to end this. This is the awkward outro that I always do, where I can't stick the landing. Keep rocking and rolling, Ethan. There you go. See you later, buddy. That's how you stick a landing, everybody. See ya.